Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is Monday, October 21st. I am your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. Subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins on Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen. Please also rate and review the show. If you have any feedback, you can also email me at LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com. Your favorite hockey team every day. That's what we're all about here at the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. And now let's get on with today's show where the Bruins are coming off a 4-3 overtime loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll get to that in a couple moments. Uh, Coming up next, they have another game against the Maple Leafs at home on Tuesday. Um, Like I said, we'll we'll talk about that loss on Saturday night and uh, look at why... It's not something to get too down about and uh, what there is to look forward to, kind of some encouraging marks from that game as well. As we do every Monday, uh, coming up in a little bit, we'll do the Atlantic Division Power Rankings and see where our Boston Bruins fit in that mix. And then uh, as we do every day, we will take a look at some headlines around the NHL uh, to close out the show. But yes, back to Saturday's 4-3 4-3 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, yeah, it was a back-and-forth affair. The Bruins were down uh, by two. Were able to tie the game late in the third period on David Pasternak's ninth goal of the game, uh, where they then went on to lose in overtime on a goal that was credited, I believe, to... Um, Morgan Riley ended up getting that goal. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was at first believed to be scored by Mitch Marner, but it went off Morgan Riley, and uh, he was credited with the with the game-winning goal, which was his second of the game and his second of the season. Like I said, the Bruins went down 2 nothing in the first on goals by Riley and Dmitro Timoshov. Uh, with 21 seconds remaining in the first period, Jake DeBrusque finally got his first goal of the season, uh, marking the return of Selly season. He said, obviously, it felt good to get on the board, but we didn't get the result that we wanted today, and you always want to produce when your team is winning. So he was kind of downplaying his first goal of the season because it didn't result in a win, but still, he added, it was definitely a monkey off my back, though. Felt like I was playing a lot, too. Even though I scored late in the first there, I think that definitely helps my game. Definitely helps relax certain things. Uh, I think I had a breakaway on one of my first shifts and missed it. Just tried to stick with it. And indeed, he did have a breakaway opportunity earlier in the first period, which was denied by Frederick Anderson. Uh, But he was able to make good later on in the period uh, on a goal that was assisted by uh, Charlie Coyle. So... Um, it was good to see DeBrusque get going. And to add to that secondary scoring uh, burst, uh, Danton Heinen, he scored as well uh, early in the third period uh, off um, 
assisted by Brett Ritchie and David Pasternak. So uh, he became the first Bruin other than the top line to have more than one goal on the season. So yeah, that secondary scoring uh, has been a big issue for over the f- course of the first, uh, I guess what, we're now 10% into the season. They've, they've played eight games. Um, secondary scoring was a big issue, has been a big issue dating back to early last season before they added Coyle and Marcus Johansson at the trade deadline, which kind of helped to ease things. Um, so it was really great to see DeBrusque and Heining get on the board there. Uh, Coyle is still looking for his first goal of the season, but um, he's looked uh, pretty good as well to date. He only has two assists through eight games, um, but I would expect that he would um, yeah, break out as well here. Uh, at some point soon. Um, and then, uh, as I mentioned, David Pasternak had the, the game-tying goal, which sent it to overtime, uh, where uh, the Bruins were caught on a really long shift and uh, just were really gassed, and uh, the, the Maple Leafs were able to take advantage and get that, that game-winning goal. On the topic of that secondary scoring, uh, Bruce Cassidy, after the game, he said, we need it. He had mentioned earlier... Uh, what was it, the game um, lost to Tampa Bay, he, he said after that one that if, if the Bruins had any kind of secondary scoring that they likely would have won that game, and it's true. Uh, so he said, yeah, we need it. Helped us get a point tonight and an opportunity for two. I know Pasta got the big goal late, but still those guys contributed and had some good looks. It wasn't just the two that went in. Uh, like we mentioned, DeBrusque had that breakaway earlier, just to name one example of that. Uh, he said, I thought Charlie and Jake, meaning Coyle and DeBrusque, they had chances a little bit on the power play too. Jake was around the puck a lot, could have had more than one if he had any luck. Hopefully that um, luck is changing for DeBrusque and, and he'll uh, yeah find some confidence and get going as well. Um, I mentioned there were some encouraging notes in this game that, uh, you know, all it wasn't all doom and gloom after this one. Notably, the Bruins outshot the Leafs by quite a wide margin, uh, by 46-29, actually. Um, and second periods have been a big issue for uh, for the Bruins so far this season, but they actually outshot the Maple Leafs 15-3 in that period alone. And, um, you know, that was encouraging. As I mentioned, they have been struggling a bit in the second period. Uh, Matt, Charlie McAvoy, after the game, he said, I think second periods are big for us. For every team, it's a chance to play fast, play with transition. I thought we changed well in the second. We didn't really give up much at all. Uh, we changed well. We transitioned fast. We put pressure on them. It was a good f- period for us. It was good to have some zone time, some possession, see guys playing with creativity. Um, unfortunately, they were just able to cash in uh, that one goal by Danton Heinen in the second period. Uh, actually, no, sorry, they did not score at all. Uh, Heinen scored early in the third period. So despite having that 15-3 shot advantage, um, they weren't able to find the back of the net. And um, yeah, that a little bit of luck in that period. And, and uh, we might be talking about a different result. Um, so yeah, they outshot the Leafs by 17. Um, Frederick Anderson played really well for the Leafs. And um, the Leafs' defensive 
issues by no means are resolved, as Justin Cuthbert uh, of Yahoo Sports told us on Friday. Uh, the Leafs, um, yeah, their defensive issues remain just that, an issue. And Frederick Anderson continues to have a heavy workload, which may come back to haunt uh, the Maple Leafs later on in the season. I mentioned the Bruins and Leafs play again on Tuesday. Boston is off until then, but the Maple Leafs do play tonight in Columbus. So, oh, sorry, at home against Columbus. So it will be interesting to see if uh, Frederick Anderson gets a start in that one. And then they turn to Michael Hutchinson uh, tomorrow night in Boston. Or if Hutchinson plays tonight, Anderson goes back in against the Bruins. Or, heck, maybe even Babcock will decide to give Anderson both starts. Um, Justin Cuthbert, again, he mentioned on Friday that the Leafs typically tend to start Anderson in the first of back-to-backs and then turn to their uh, backup in the, in the, uh, the second. Uh, so if that trend continues, then Bruins will see Hutchinson, which would be obviously a, a big advantage as it's likely that um, it'll be Tukarask in net with Halak uh, getting the start on Saturday and, and the loss. So, yeah, that's the big story in Bruins land. The... We'll have to see if David Krejci is able to to return for Tuesday's game. Uh, We'll get a better sense of that after the Bruins practice on Monday. He was held out, um, and, you know, the Bruins did not make any uh, call-ups for this game against Toronto. It was in Toronto, so I don't know if travel played a role in that. But, um, yeah, they decided to dress Brett Ritchie, David Backus, Parlinholm, all guys who... Yeah, haven't really stepped up uh, so far this season. It's kind of um, a thing where the Bruins could benefit from maybe injecting some uh, some speed, some scoring ability from the AHL. Uh, so we'll see if Krejci's out, if that's something that they look at to uh, kind of get things going for Tuesday. Anders Bjork continues to uh, look very good in the AHL. In fact, he leads the Baby Bruins in scoring with three goals and five assists through seven games. I know there's talk that they don't want to rush him up, uh, but um, hey, maybe it's time to give him a look and uh, maybe swap out the likes of Richie for Bjork just to get some extra speed and scoring ability up there um, just to kind of, again, kickstart that uh, secondary scoring. Um, so yeah, that's it for the look back at the loss to the Maple Leafs. Uh, sucks to see the Maple Leafs beat the Bruins anytime that happens. But again, I don't, I don't think it uh, was too discouraging. The Bruins greatly outshot the Maple Leafs. Uh, it was a fairly even game. Um, and they weren't outplayed by any means. So um, if the Bruins just stick to their game plan, especially on home ice, I think they should be able to rebound quite nicely. Uh, here on Tuesday night. Now it's time for the Atlantic Division Power Rankings, something that we do here on the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast every Monday. Uh, we look at the eight teams in the Atlantic Division, rank them eight through one, and it will not surprise you at all, I don't think, to learn that the Ottawa Senators are once again uh, the eighth team in our Atlantic Division Power Rankings. They have a record of one, five, and one. And... Uh, their lone win actually came against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which is uh, which is pretty crazy. They could easily be, uh, you know, winless 
to begin the season. Uh, they only have one regulation or overtime win and uh, a point percentage of 0.214, uh, goal differential of minus 10. They're scoring only 2.29 goals per game, allowing 3.71 goals per game, and they're allowing a division-high 35.1 shots against per game. So overall, uh, pretty pitiful performance for the Senators so far this season. Uh, it's not unexpected at all. I think anybody who uh, follows the NHL would have realized that the Senators were likely to uh, be the top candidate to finish dead last in the NHL this season, uh, setting themselves up to get a pretty special talent at the 2020 NHL draft in probably uh, Lafreniere. So, um, you know, not uh, it's not doom and gloom necessarily there as they are clearly in a rebuilding situation. Uh, coming in at number seven this week is the Detroit Red Wings. They had a, a pretty good start. They were up uh, in the top three at, some, at one point a couple weeks ago, I believe, in, in the power rankings. Uh, they've since fallen down. They're three and five uh, on the season. Uh, they have a minus nine goal differential. Uh, the offense has kind of dried up a bit after the hot start, uh, thanks to Anthony Manta. Uh, they're only scoring 2.38 goals. They're allowing 3.5. And uh, they're the one of only two teams in the division uh, averaging below uh, 30 shots a game. They have 29.4. They're giving up 34.3. So that's a, uh, a difference of five shots a game. And that's going to come back to bite you in the end. Uh, they only have six points. Uh, three up on uh, Senators, but three back of both Florida and Tampa Bay. So Detroit clearly in seventh place. Uh, to date. Coming in at number six, this is where things start to get a bit more interesting. The uh, Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning, they're both tied with nine points, um, but they have uh, a game in hand on the Montreal Canadiens. So while their point percentage is a bit uh, higher than Montreal's, I'm still going to put Florida down in sixth place. They are 3-2-0-3. Uh, they have a minus four goal differential, which uh, really uh, puts them down a bit in my uh, rankings. They have, they're averaging 3.13 goals per game. What's troubling is they're allowing 3.63 goals per game, which is uh, pretty close to the Senators, who are 3.71 at the bottom of the division. Uh, the Panthers just aren't getting uh, the goaltending to date. That really puts them down. Uh, in my mind so far. The thing with uh, the Panthers, like I said, their PDO is very low. They're at 956, uh, which is only 0 0.01 away from the bottom. Uh, San Jose is 0.955. So the, the thing with the, the Panthers is they're not getting uh, the scoring quite yet. They're not getting saves quite yet. Their sa shooting percentage is 6.87. Save percentage, 88.7. Uh, but their shot attempts per game at 5-on-5, uh, five five, which is calculated in a stat called Corsi, they're at 53.81, uh, which is fifth in the NHL. So if you put all that information together, you see that the um, Panthers are getting shot attempts towards the net, 
more regularly than the opposition, but they're not getting uh, the goals quite yet. They're not getting the saves quite yet. Uh, and that has really uh, hindered their ability to live up to expectations that were there after the acquisition of Sergei Bobrovsky, after hiring Joel Quenville. So the underlying numbers, they don't really um, paint a terrible picture for the Panthers, but the reality is they, um, yeah, they're in fifth place right now. Um, they have a minus goal differential, and they really need to tighten things up defensively in order to uh, jump up in the power rankings, uh, in my mind. Now, the Florida Panthers are in sixth, but I expect that they will jump up at some point. There's just too much talent there, and Bobrovsky will uh, turn things around uh, at some point. I hope, as a keeper league owner, <laughs> personally, I hope that he does. In fifth place, I'm putting the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, they, like I said, they have a better point percentage than the Montreal Canadiens, uh, but they currently only have a goal differential of plus one, and their underlying numbers are not very encouraging at all now that I take a look at it. They have a PDO of uh, 103.4. Uh, they have a uh, above average shooting percentage, 10.58, above average uh, save percentage, 92.86. And if you look at their shot attempt differential, which again is calculated in Corsi 4 percentage, they are um, 27th in the NHL with a Corsi 4 percentage of 46.64. So if you add all that up, um, kind of opposite to the Florida Panthers, they're riding some good luck in terms of saves and shooting percentage, and but they're regularly being out uh, attempted by the opposition. So um, yeah, not very encouraging start for the Tampa Bay Lightning to date. And um, those underlying numbers really need to improve in order for them to rise up uh, the rankings. So they're coming in in fifth in the power rankings at the moment. And you know what? I could easily switch them with the Florida Panthers just based on those underlying numbers. Um, so yeah, why don't I just do that? It's my podcast. I can do that. I'm going to put uh, Florida in fifth and put Tampa down in sixth. Let's switch that up. So, so far we have Ottawa in eighth, Detroit seventh, Tampa Bay in sixth, Florida in fifth. And that leaves us number four with the Montreal Canadiens. They have a positive Corsi 4 percentage, 51.97. Their uh, PDO is pretty level at 101.7. Um, they're getting some great goaltending from Carey Price, which isn't unexpected. Keith Kincaid stepped up with an amazing uh, save on Sunday, if you saw that. Um, although they did lose to the Minnesota Wild. Um, but still, um, Carey Price, you'll always have a chance with him. Their shooting percentage is a bit down at 92.9. Uh, but they do have 10 points, albeit in nine games. Um, so their point percentage, like I mentioned, is below Tampa Bay and Florida, but uh, they do have a plus goal differential of uh, plus four and uh, positive shot advantage as well. So for the time being, uh, Tampa, uh, sorry, Montreal coming in in fourth. Uh, but again, I would expect Florida at some point to, um, to rise above them. And I believe Tampa will be up there as well at some point. Uh, coming in at number three, despite the win over 
Boston on Saturday. I'm putting the Maple Leafs still down in uh, third place. They have 11 points through nine games. They're 5-3-0-1. Oh, uh, they have a plus five goal differential. Uh, they are out shooting the opposition as well, uh, but uh, I don't think they quite stack up uh, to the top two teams quite yet as they have, uh, again, uh, played more games than, uh, the, the, than the Boston Bruins. But I believe there is room for improvement there. Again, looking at their PDO, they're 22nd in the NHL. This is at in five-on-five play, by the way. Um, and shooting percentage is 9.02. Their save percentage is uh, 89.3, amounting to a PDO of uh, 98.3. So there's room for improvement there with both the offense and in goaltending. Uh, in terms of... Uh, their Corsi ranking, they're fourth right now in the NHL with 53.93. Um, so again, what that means is they're getting uh, shot attempts more regularly than the opposition. They haven't been able to cash in necessarily uh, at five-on-five -five play uh, in terms of goals. They're not getting as many saves as they would like as well, uh, meaning the uh, Leafs uh, have kind of stumbled a bit to begin the season. If you remember last season, they got off to a really flying start, making headlines around the league, uh, but uh, kind of a muted start so far, uh, but they're still third in the division. And, uh, you know, that's um, where I'm putting them as well right now. Which brings us to second place, and that would be our Boston Bruins. They're 5-1-2 and two to be in the season, only the one regulation loss they've picked up. Uh, points in seven of their eight games to date. Uh, they have a plus five goal differential. They are averaging only 2.75 goals a game, which is uh, third from the bottom in the division uh, next to Ottawa and Detroit. So that's a bit of a cause for concern. And we've talked ad nauseum about that so far in terms of secondary scoring and whether or not they should uh, boost the offense by bringing someone up from the AHL. We'll see if that's something that happens before Tuesday's game. Uh, but defensively, they've been rock solid. Uh, Corsi-wise, they are um, 14th in the NHL at 5 on 5, 50.83. And their PDO currently is, uh, let's see here, is basically as even as you can get, 100 0.5. So they have a shooting percentage of 6.31, save percentage of 94.23. So the expectation is that the um, shooting percentage will rise at some point. They're not getting the five-on-five -five scoring that they need. As you remember, the game against Tampa, all three of their goals were scored on the power play. Um, so they're, they really need to improve their offense five-on-five. -five. Um, they're getting stellar goaltending from both Yaroslav Halak and Tuka Rask, and that's kind of bailed them out to date. Um, so they really need to uh, get that offense going in order to maintain this position in second place. Um, first place, the surprising Buffalo Sabres. They played nine games. They have a record of 7-1-1. One, and one. They have a plus 12 goal differential. Um, and one cause for concern is they are being outshot 31 0.1 shots for, 33 against. Uh, they're getting really exceptional goaltending so far from Carter Hutton. That was a source of concern for me coming into the season. If you listen to the 
the season previews. Um, so the offense is pretty level right now, 9.95 shooting percentage, even strength, five on five play. They're getting a 95.48 save percentage, which is, uh, you know, just ridiculous. And their Corsi percentage is below 50 at uh, 48.35. So they're 21st. And again, what that tells us is the shooting percentage is likely to regress a bit. And with uh, getting out attempted so far, uh, that isn't really a recipe for success. So I would expect that to drop and the Sabres will kind of fall back down to earth at some point. They will obviously won't continue this seven, one and one pace, uh, but their hot start has put them in a position to challenge for a playoff spot down the road. And I believe they'll be in contention for a wildcard spot, maybe even third place if they're able to sustain this hot start for a little bit more and put themselves in a position to um, keep it up barring a, a complete collapse. So there's your Atlantic Division power rankings. To summarize, we have Ottawa in 8th, Detroit in 7th, I put Tampa Bay in 6th, Florida in 5th, Montreal 4th, Toronto 3rd, our Boston Bruins in 2nd, Buffalo Sabres in 1st. So we'll do this every Monday on the Lockdown Boston Bruins podcast. If you disagree vehemently, feel free to add me on Twitter, and we can discuss it there at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And, uh, yeah, we'll check back next week with uh, another round of the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. And now, as we do every day, we'll take a look at some NHL headlines and uh, rumors of the day. Big news on Sunday was the Florida Panthers. They signed free agent center Brian Boyle to a one-year, one-way contract. I think it's worth, I believe, 950000 So Boyle, he's uh, jumped around a lot in recent years. Um, kind of trying to jump on with a contender. Uh, he Obviously, he overcame that battle with cancer a couple years ago, which was incredibly inspiring. Uh, he's only 34, uh, so he's you know still got some gas left in the tank, I believe, and he'll be a, a great addition for the Panthers, I believe, just adding that depth at center in more of a checking role. Um, this comes on the heels of... Alexander Barkov suffering a minor upper body injury on Saturday. Not sure if he'll miss any time, but if he does, that would be obviously detrimental to the Panthers. Um, one game of note on Sunday was Winnipeg. They beat the um, Edmonton Oilers 1-0 in a shootout, which is a surprising result considering how much firepower was in there, I believe, at one point. Uh, the Jets and Oilers had the top four leading point getters in the NHL with uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Shifley, and Line. Um, Line scored the game winner in a shootout uh, from really far out, if you were able to see that highlight. Kind of a cheeky wrist shot from just inside the dots. Um, so, yeah, uh, interesting kind of uh, goalie duel in that one where you'd expect that there'd be a lot of scoring. Just to update the leaderboard for stats, if, in case you haven't looked at it recently, the current leader in points is John Carlson of the Washington Capitals, who is a defenseman, which is wild. He has three goals and 15 assists in 10 games so far for 18 points. Coming in second is Leon, no, sorry, Connor McDavid. He has five goals and 12 assists for 17 points. Dreisaitl has six goals and 10, 
10 assists for 16 points. And our own David Pasternak, he has 9 goals and 6 assists for 15 points. And if you look at uh, points per game, McDavid leads the way with uh, 1.89. And David Pasternak comes in second with 1.88, just ahead of Mika Zibanejad at 1.83. He has 11 points through six games. So Pasternak, second in the NHL in points per game among, uh, you know, regular players getting uh, regular minutes. So quite impressive start for David Pasternak, to say the least. Uh, One other note on the Bruins. Uh, This is from Joe Haggerty of NBC Sports Boston. He notes that um, the Bruins could be looking at um, guys like uh, he says, maybe it's time for the Bruins to get out ahead of the NHL curve and take advantage of a couple of situations brewing in other NHL destinations with so many second and third line type shooting blanks right now. Why not kick the tires on Josh Hosang with the Islanders or with Jesse Pugliarvi in Edmonton? Now, um, Hosang to acquire him would require a trade right now. And if the Bruins had wanted him, they could have picked him up for free off the waiver wire. So I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I don't really see him as a Bruins type player. Um, the Bruins typically prefer players who are uh, physical, who can play both ends of the ice. Hosang is dynamic offensively and has a lot of potential. Uh, he could really help out, I believe, on the third line or sec- second line even as a, as a right wing shot. But um, I don't see the Bruins as being a fit for him uh, just based on those factors I mentioned above. Poliarvi, I could see uh, being more attractive to the Bruins. He's, uh, he's big. Uh, he's got skill, size, speed, um, and he can really uh, bring some offense to the to the table. The Bruins have an abundance of um, prospect talent up front, as as Haggerty notes. Uh, guys like Heinen in the NHL or Bjork, Oscar Steen, Peter Solarek, Trent Frederick um, down at the AHL level that could maybe be flipped. Um, so. That would be an interesting fit. I see, I've seen that Pugliarvi has been linked uh, in the past to the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they, they are a team that has been kicking the tires on him as well. Uh, and they have some depth in the pipeline to offer. Um, Haggerty added, some fans may instead daydream about the Bruins pulling off a deal for the likes of Taylor Hall, Alex Tuck, or Mike Hofton. That would immediately add pizzazz, uh, make them tougher to defend in the long run. Uh, but he advises them going buying low on projects like Hosang and Pugliarvi, who could turn into big-time offensive talents. Um, as the Bruins start really doing something to address the top-heavy offense problem that's been going on for two years running. Uh, like I said, if, if they wanted Hosang, they could have had him a few weeks ago for nothing on the waiver wire. Pugliarvi may be um, a more attractive candidate, but... With Edmonton off to a hot start, there's not really the urgency there to uh, to deal him right now at this point. Um, so interesting uh, notion for Haggerty, but I don't know if uh, that's something that the Bruins are looking for right now. Um, so yeah, that's it for today's show. This has been the Monday, October 21st edition of Lockdown Boston Bruins. As always, I am your host, Ian McLaren. 
This is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Please download, uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen. Uh, yeah, please do take some time to offer a re- rate, rating or a review if you have a couple moments. It really goes a long way to helping out the podcast gain some traction. Um, we'll be back tomorrow to tee up the Bruins game against the Maple Leafs on Tuesday. And we'll also bring back three up, three down, which will be our weekly look at three Bruins who are trending upwards, three who are trending downwards. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening again. Take care. Have a great Monday and we'll talk to you tomorrow.